and get ready. I've got, I'm going to start in 1950, actually 47. So with my, okay, um, my parents were married in 1947, just after the war, and I was born in 1950. My brother, Michael, was born in 1952. My parents never fought, but we had to be very careful not to upset Dad. Uh, Dad never vented his anger at us, but the, if the zipper on his jacket was sticking, it ripped it off. If uh, the toaster, we used to have those toasters back then that, that you had the two sides, they weren't electric, and if it burnt the toast, he pitched it out the door. One, one summer after the snow, we found three toasters in the air. Um, anyway, Dad wasn't one to put, put us on his knee or read us stories or play games with us uh, or hug and kiss us goodnight. Mom took care of all that. And uh, Dad and Mom didn't go to dances or shows. In the summer, we would go on picnics and our drive, and later we'd get a car from a car. Um, when I was seven years old, I moved to Pine Grove Drive, and my dad's parents moved in with me, us. Um, it was uh, a fairly large house that had a basement apartment, and when my parent, grandparents moved in, they had a room for their kitchen, and they had a room for their bedroom, and we, we had the rest of the house. Um, but it was all on the same floor. Um, I have to turn the page. Grandfather wasn't well. He had cancer. I, we didn't know that at the time, but uh, he wasn't. My grandmother and my grandfather, they weren't very, uh, they weren't for kids. Let's put it that way. Um, I had a room in, in the, they, he, they had a room and a kitchen, and my mom and dad had the double bed, and we and Mike had bunk beds in another room. Michael was four, and I was seven. Um, my grandmother would take my brother into her little kitchen, and she would give him treats and cut little pictures with him and, and all that sort of thing, but not me. And uh, I was in her kitchen twice in two and a half years. My, my grandfather would leave the tap running in the bathroom and then blame me for it. If I was walking in the hall, he would bump me into the wall. So it wasn't very, it wasn't a very good time for me. And uh, um, two months before he died, my grandparents moved out. I was a normal weight kid when I moved there, and I was probably double my size when he left. If there was anything left over at dinner, my father would say, give it to garbage gut, she'll eat anything. Mom was a typical 50s housewife. She cooked and baked and had, you know, uh, us change our clothes and get cleaned up at supper time. Mom always took us to church on Sunday, a Catholic church, about 10 minutes from home. I made my first communion when I was seven, dressed in a white dress and a veil, a white veil and white shoes. And when I was 14, I taught Sunday school, and I wanted to be a nun. When I was 15, my parents enrolled me in grade 9 at Mount St. Vincent Academy at the Mother House. I was a day hop, and Mom had her license. She got her license to do that and drove us there. She wasn't a great driver. And picked me up 
each day, beat me up each day. I remember one time she was driving me, and the window was down, and it was there was a big puddle, and she zoomed through it, and the whole puddle came right on top. I was just soaked. But anyway, she laughed. And, uh, and so I, I did very well. I received medals for high marks, and I made some good friends. And um, um, the second year in 1966, grade 10 started. I started off well until the third, until the third term uh, when I got um, the Asiatic flu. It was sort of like the corona flu now. I, I was unconscious for three weeks. I nearly died. I, I, went, I went into the hospital 170. Well, actually, I wasn't even in a hospital. They put me in another place because I was, I was contagious. And um, I went in 170, and three weeks later, I weighed 120. Mm. So anyway, it was good. I went in fat and woke up thin. <laughs> I've been trying to do it ever since. It doesn't work. Anyway. I was, uh, yeah, let's see. Um, my homeroom teacher, Sister Ann Joseph, came to visit when I was sick. And she said, don't worry, dear. Only the good die young, and you and I are going to be around a long time. When my parents came to see, my mother said, we thought you were going to die. Your father had all the furniture turned up in your room. <laughs> My dad kissed me on the cheek, and I looked at him, and I said, I, thought, I, thought you, I always thought you didn't like me. You know? So I don't know what that did to him. It wasn't good for me. I didn't finish school that year because my marks were great, but they decided between mom and the nuns that I really should have a rest, and I should just go back the next year and redo it. So all my classmates and my friends went on to grade 11, and I stayed in grade 10. Well, I made wonderful marks. I had all kinds of medals. Who wouldn't? I did it twice. So I'm, they put me, they moved me into the mother house at the Mount, and I made good, good friends. Um, we used to have to leave our doors open. For the, there were certain times, like, you know, you, you had school time, and then you had time to go play games, and then you had uh, your supper time, and then um, you had about, maybe a half an hour after supper to go watch television, and then you had to study. And you had to leave your door open so they could check on you. So Sister Helena Alphonsus, she kind of liked me. And so uh, she'd come and she'd say, what are you doing? I said, I'm not doing anything right now. She said, well, did, is, your, is your homework done? Yes. She said, did you study? I said, well, no. She said, well, she said, there's no sense to stand here. You might as well come with me. They had a, they had a big uh, theater for the nuns. So I used to go down and watch movies all the time, which really made me, you know, good with the kids. Anyway, but um, that's the way it went down. So, um, okay. I passed with flying colors. Who wouldn't? Doing it twice. My, my, I moved on to grade 11. More medals. I, the one thing I really disliked was the fact that everything revolved around money and status. Everything. All the people there. The kids that went there. And one girl hadn't seen her parents for I don't know how many years. Six years, maybe? Um, they used to send her an envelope with money. No letter. They were, they were scientists and they worked in Africa. 
And one one year, she got this letter, a letter, an actual letter, and her parents were supposed to be coming home because she always had to go with her grandmother. And so she was so excited. She told everyone, everyone, I'm going to see my parents. And one month before the summer vacation, they sent her a letter and told her that they had to stay in Africa and they couldn't come and she'd have to go with her grandmother. She tried to commit suicide. She almost did. There was, and there was a lot of that. Um, there was a trip to Europe, a six-week trip to Europe for the summer in 1968. And my aunt offered to give me the money to go, but I told her to save it for my university. You know, the summer uh, that was the summer I met Jean. I should have gone. But anyway, the summer I met Jean at a friend's house. He told me he was he was um, he he told me we just got a fridge today. And I'm going, oh, my God, he's so simple. It's so, like, you know, this is what I was looking for, you know. Like, yes, I mean, I was immediately attracted to him because I was so tired of all the foolishness. And he, he was working as a plumber's helper, and he went out. We went out together all summer. When my girlfriend returned, which was six weeks later, from Europe, I was engaged. I'm Seriously, I met her at the airport, told her I was engaged. She dropped her baggage and said, I've only been gone six weeks. How could you be engaged? You weren't even going out with anybody. Fast worker. I started, I started grade 12 in September in 68. October, I switched to commercial class. My, my, um, my Christmas vacation, I caught up everything in the commercial class, except my typing skills, that took time. And in January, I left the Mount, and I got a job as teller at the Royal Bank. I needed to earn money for my wedding. So, so I worked till I got the money for my wedding, and I quit. Anyway, <laughs> but Jean was working then. So, um, in June 1969, we were married. 51 years this, this year, gone. And the priest, the priest, they didn't give us a chance in you know where. They just, they thought, this will never last a month, you know? It was, anyway, it was, it was, it was interesting. It was a, it was an interesting trip, believe me. Um, I, I, I had, I had gone out with other guys before Jean, but no, the the wealthy, the, no, these wealthy guys. I mean, some of these people, like Cyrus Eaton, was their their uncle, and you know, it was it was like they they everything was money, everything was money, and you know, they thought they could buy anything, couldn't buy me. My best my best friend, the one who dropped her suitcase, she had a shower for me and a write up in the paper. So and so poured tea. It was all lovely. She came to our wedding, and I haven't heard from her since. That's the way it was. That's the way it was. Things weren't easy for us. Um, the reason I met Gene was because his brothers were killed in a car accident. The reason I married, well, then when we got together, his, his, yeah, I met him because he came. They were in Alberta, and his two brothers were were killed. They were killed in a car accident. So he came home for the funeral. Um, they were look, working in the lookout towers in Alberta. He started drinking a lot. When he drank, he cried. I was home alone most of the time, and 
we were married almost two months when I got pregnant and had a miscarriage. About three months later, I got pregnant again and started to spot. So this doctor I had, um, he, he gave me this medication to keep me from spotting. And uh, the baby had died, but I wasn't, I wasn't aborting the baby because of the medication. So um, the poison went all through my system, and I almost died. I had to close the devil had me so close so many times. Anyway, and almost died, and I had to go to the doctor's office, and then he took it like an abor abortion. It was terrible. Um, after that, it was four years before I got pregnant. I went to a gynecologist, and uh, I didn't have a, a requirement, what do you call it, a thing to go there. I didn't go to the doctor and get him to send me to the gynecologist. I just went to the gynecologist. And they said, well, you know, uh, have you been here before? And I saw, I, see, I forget what the doctor's name was, but he came, into the he came into the hospital to talk to somebody else when I was in there. And so I said, hi. Anyway, so anyway, he said, have you talked to the doctor before? And I said, yes. I didn't lie. So anyway, I made an appointment, and he checked me over, and he said, everything's okay. Don't worry about it. Just go home and relax. So I did. And about six months later, I got pregnant. And it wasn't an easy pregnancy, but I, uh, I had David, and now he's 47. Um, when David was two and a half years, uh, we bought a little house in Harrodsfield. Um, Jean was driving cement truck at the time, and uh, this was a little shack, really. And uh, I thought, we have all this land, and he's, he can get cement, you know, cheap, and we can build a, f a foundation, and then we can, we can move into the foundation and then just build a house as we go. Wrong. Wrong. Didn't work. Didn't work. Okay, so the house had no plumbing. The roof leaked. There was no water. The well, somebody had poisoned the well. We had no water. I had to walk. I had to walk to get water. Uh, in a in a those five gallon plastic things on with the stroller, anyway, and um, the roof leaked, the oil stove that often stopped working. We were seven miles out of town, no bus, and I didn't drive. A new a new family moved next door to us, and I was. Uh, nervous. Uh, I was a nervous wreck by this time because Gene wasn't home. He was gone all the time and I was just there by myself most of the time. A lady came to introduce herself and I was, I was um, so nervous. I was washing dishes and uh, went to put the glass on the shelf and I must have held it too tight and it broke in a million pieces. And so she, <laughs> she, I really needed this friend. She, uh, she sort of backed out gently out the door and said, I'll see you later. So I thought, oh no, I really need this friend, and I blew it. But, uh, but the, we, we became really good friends. Still are, she lives in Newfoundland. And uh, when I was, we were really down to my last box of craft dinner, her husband and, and her, they brought me over a box as big as that, as big as the organ there, full of meat, food, everything, everything I could, I need, everything I could want. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was really good. Uh, Gene drank a lot, and he wasn't home much. His brother came to stay for a while, and Gene and his brother decided to go to Alberta. And uh, I went on welfare. 
I got my water from the family up the road with a little five-gallon plastic container. And that was it for the day. I had to use it for cooking and washing and everything I had. (laughs) So uh, Gene didn't stay out west too long. He got hurt. He couldn't carry um, the heavy gyprock he was delivering, so he came home with lots of promises. I was home about three months when I became pregnant for Stephen. (laughs) Things got no better. My blood pressure was off the charts. I was hospitalized. Um, No visitors, no television. Um, Close to my my delivery date, Jean was driving a cement truck then, and I got a call at 2 o'clock in the morning at the hospital. Um, He was in Herring Cove with the cement truck, um, and he was drunk. I called a good friend that was drove cement truck too, but he had gone to bed just a little bit earlier and he had an early run and he couldn't go. So my blood pressure hit the roof and it was so high that they induced me the next day. And Stephen was born perfect. Thank you, Jesus. My friend Marg, who lives in Newfoundland now, she helped me through a lot. She wasn't going to church herself, but she decided that I needed God. Yep. So she she took me to a tent meeting in in the summertime, and it was ninety degrees. If it wasn't a degree, it was it was hot, really hot. And the sand fleas, flies, fleas, whatever they were, they were everywhere, and they were wicked. But she took me there. She said I needed it. She I needed God. We lost our little house because of debt, <laughs> we lost our little house and moved to one of my aunt's apartments on Herring Cove Road. Jean started to work for D&D and met Bob Power. If anybody knows Bob Power, he's like a dog with a bone and he doesn't let go. And he was this happy, happy guy. Now, I wasn't a happy, happy person at that time. And men certainly weren't on my my good side list, right? So he would show up in his his wife would come and bring me cakes and, you know, and he'd be happy, happy, and he wanted me to go to church. And like, forget it, buddy. I don't know what your game is, but I'm not playing. That's it. So anyway, he started, Gene started to work with D&D, and they were having Bible studies. He, he drove the guys to the thing, and he had to wait for them. And they were having Bible studies every, every dinner hour. And I think Bob was one of the ones in there. Anyway, so so anyway, he got to listen whether he wanted to not. And um, Rock Church was just opening then. It was just a brand new church, and they were having a baptism. They they had they baptized fifty people. There was no service, just a baptism. They baptized fifty people that night, and we were in the back of the church. So we were way up. There was. We were, one more row to the very back of the church. And when they had an altar call afterwards, and this woman that was standing in front of Eugene, she turns around and she says, well, aren't you going up? You know you want to. And he, he out the door, down he went, got saved. He was, I mean, it was a miraculous thing. But I thought that, Opie, he never suffered for anything. You know? 
I, I just thought, that's not right, Lord. A little bit of pain at least, you know. So, but he came down, one, one came back, and he never changed. He went from buying cases of booze to cases of Bibles. Before, before we get saved, after I got saved, before he, he did that, he would come home. I'd be 2 o'clock in the morning, and the kids are in bed, and he'd, he'd get me up. He said, get up, cook us a steak, and tell us about Jesus. And I did. So anyway, but then this, this, he, this happened, and I thought, well, this should be good for a week or maybe a day. It never changed. It never changed. He was on fire. And then I thought that, so be He's never suffered for anything. But, you know, well, you know. And so, but he never, and, and he has never, he's never gone back. Like, he's, he's always been like that. He's, he's just, you know. So it was, it was a whole different ballgame after that. We started to go to church. Um, it, was, it was awesome. We had, um, we had little house. We used to have fellowships. Jim and Linda. Um, Bob Power, um, uh, Amy and DJ, I think used to show up sometimes, Amy anyway. And we would, we were so, we were so hungry. We would, he'd come home from work, we'd have our supper, we'd clear the table, and everybody would show up, and we would study the Bible, all of us, every night till it was like nine o'clock. The kids were all asleep on the floor, we just picked them up, put them to bed. It was like that. And then later on, we moved from there, and I got a bigger house. I got, I got five, we started a co-op, and I had like a five-bedroom house and basement apartment, so, so we had more people in. We, every Saturday night, we had, we had uh, people come in like with musical instruments, and we just, we just sang and praised the Lord for hours and hours and hours, and we were really pumped on Sunday to go to church. We were pumped, and I think Pastor Gary been to some of those, right? Yeah, and so, and of course, you guys. So you know, like it, it was, it was, it was a good time, very good time, and things, things just, just grew. Um, uh, let's see, where am I? Okay, we passed that. There I am, right there. Okay, <laughs> I have to do this because I forget. Anyway, so um. So yeah, we go we go to church, rest a little bit, we come home. We'd have our we have our, our our lunch. We'd go lay down for a little bit. Back to church. We couldn't get enough. We couldn't get enough, and um, many people came to live with us. People that that didn't have a place to go or whatever, and um, some stayed a few days. Some stayed two three years. You know, well it, we had we had room, and they needed a place to go. You know, and some of them would help us, and some of them would just take advantage. But whatever. And then uh, we had we had two foster boys, and uh, they came fifteen and sixteen, and they left in their twenties. Yeah, yeah. They left our house, but they never left our hearts. Yeah. In uh, nineteen, let's see, eighty nine, my father was diagnosed with cancer. And we helped to look after him until he died. We left the co-op and moved to uh, Lower Ship Harbor and got away from church. My mother sold her house and came to live with us. And uh, the first year she moved in, she was diagnosed with Lewy bodies and required 24-hour care. So we, um, 
we only had a respite on Thursday night. And David, uh, we were telling David he needs the Lord, you need the Lord, you need the Lord. Anyway, he was in McDonald's. And he went in the washroom, which he never usually does. He doesn't go in public washroom. And there was a little cassette on the floor with an angel on the top. With an angel on the top. Anyway, and it was, it was from Christian View Church. No, New Covenant. It was Gary, one of Gary's ones, and Pastor, Pastor Gary. Anyway, and it, was, it was one of his tapes. And, and uh, we said, listen to it, listen to it. He said, no, no, I'm going to bring it over to you guys. So he brought it over to us, and we, we had a, a phone number on it. We called, and the service was Thursday night. It was the only night we had a respite. So we started to come, and we've been here ever since. It was the best find ever. Uh, since then, I think we've been coming about 20 years. Is there more? Yeah. Um, we've both been healed from cancer. Um, my mother came with us for a while, and uh, she was prayed over. We, she wheeled, we wheeled her in in a wheelchair, and she pushed the wheelchair home. Not home, but ho out. Yeah, yeah. And for the, next, for the next year or so, like, her symptoms were really, like, she was doing really, really well. And then, you know, it, it took its toll, and, and um, yeah, symptoms advanced. And we looked after her um, for five years, and then she went into a nursing home for about eight months and passed. Um, this church has rallied around us to fix our car um, that later that later was recalled. We were given one week, and $4,000 is all they were going to give us for our car. There was nothing wrong, but it was underneath that we couldn't see. And, um, and uh, we had to find a car. It was raining that week. We went out every day, every night, looking in car lots, looking for cars, and we couldn't find anything, anything for that price. So we prayed, and the church took up a collection for us. And we did find a car, but it was like it was like way more than we could afford. But we we took it for a drive anyway, just because Jean said, Oh, this looks nice, you know. I said, if we can't afford it, we'll just So we took a drive and um uh, and the collection that they took up was the exact amount to pay for that car. They took up four thousand dollars for us. That was like, I mean, I'm still, I still, you know. No, we're blessed here. We're blessed here. And I, I, I pray that every person that gave, it came back to them a hundredfold. I really, I really do. Because it was, it was a, a lifeline for us. We live Lower Ship Harbor. Like, we're miles away from here. So we had to have a car. Anyway, what else here? Oh, and just recently, I was getting so happy I forgot about it. Um, just recently, last year, our financial situation was not good. Jean had not gone back to work um, after the cancer, and we were getting deeper and deeper in debt. And we prayed about it and asked Pastor Gary to pray for us, and he suggested that we should get some legal advice. Well, we really didn't want to do that, but we decided 
well, he's he's he prayed about it, but that's what you know. So we'll do it. So we we contacted this trust company, and I went in, and I was I was so embarrassed. I was ready to break out crying any minute, and I walked into her office, and within five minutes, I felt so good. She was she was so kind and so understanding, and um, long story short, we we went through bankruptcy, and now we we pay about two hundred dollars a month between the two of us for that. Every debt that we had, hundreds of thousands of dollars, is gone. Is gone. It's gone, and and it's only until December the twenty. 2021 and that's it we're, we're we're totally free totally free you know so so oh it, it yeah and that's the end but well that's the end to the beginning right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. tag team here well uh it's hard act to follow uh Anyway, I got a lot to say. <laughs> I just uh, I want to start off here with, um, well, my testimony and how I got where I am today. And uh, praise God. Anyway, um, if I can get through this without, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I better start because it's long ways. <laughs> anyway, I'll I'll start from the beginning here. Uh, anyway, my parents were separated <clears throat> when I was around five, and my father left my mother for her younger sister, who became my stepmother and aunt slash aunt. Uh, they had two. She also had two children, a boy and a girl. And my father was from Yarmouth, so when he got when he got out of the army, he packed up myself and my brother, stepbrother, sister, and another older brother, and we all hit it to Yarmouth. And and we moved, so he moved back to Yarmouth. Yeah, he, he bought a boat and started fishing for a living. We lived in Yarmouth for about six or seven years, and I was living on the street, kind of, uh, taking care of myself. I had a home, such as it was, uh, my uh, father and stepmother drank a lot and never really paid much attention to what the kids were doing. So I made my own way. And uh, I hated school, so never went very often unless, <laughs> unless I had to or <clears throat> when I would, when I would uh, oh, unless, well, back in those days we had what they call a truant officer. He visited me many times. <laughs> get me back to school. Anyway, and I'd, I'd go into school and I'd go in the front door and go out the back. Yeah, I was a likable, I was a likable kid and people sort of gave me money, took a liking to me. And uh, I used to go to the grocery store and they gave me sweets and I knew everybody at the bakery, so they gave me bakery goods. And, and uh, I just, uh, I, I knew people all over town. This was in Yarmouth. Uh, when I would get some money, I would uh, buy some fish and chips, and occasionally five or ten cents with a raw hamburger. I liked it for some reason. <clears throat> when I when I would make when I would make 
when I would make money selling uh, halibut hids or cod hids <laughs> to my uh, to our landlord, and uh, my parents were renting at the time. We lived over a general store on Main Street in Yarmouth. I I don't eat raw hamburger anymore, but I'm tempted when I'm having a barbecue and there's raw meat around. <laughs> Sorry for that one, but I, that's the way it is. <laughs> uh, I had I had favor with a lot of people in town. I met an older couple who had no children, and uh, they sort of took a liking to me and uh, took me in. They had a big house and uh, treated me like like my parents. When we moved from Yarmouth to Halifax, we lived on Agricola Street. I went to St. Pat's School on Brunswick Street when I went to school because, like I said before, I didn't like it. And my f my father was a cook, and my father was a cook in the army, so he got it. He was offered a job in Camp Hill Hospital, and he took the job. My uh, the older couple from Yarmouth used to come up on my birthdays and take me to uh, the the Halifax Forum. They used to have the ice capades there. Uh, when I got older, I got into some trouble in Yarmouth with my uh, older brother. And I lost contact with my uh, with the older couple in Yarmouth. And when I got married, I patched things up. Praise God. For I was sixteen, living in Halifax. Uh, then I moved into Harrietsfield in the house that my father was building. Still on my own, I used to find ways to make some money. Uh, sometimes steal things, sell them, make some money. Whatever I had to do. To this, you know, to survive, I had grown up uh, that way in the survival mode most of my life. Uh, one day, when I was in town looking for ways to get some money, I was uh, checking houses, yards, looking for something I could, you know, I could grab or sell to make a few dollars on. When I noticed somebody was watching me, following me around, so I went into a yard and went up on the steps like I was looking for somebody who lived in the house. The people who were following me disappeared, so I left the area. And a few minutes later, uh, several streets away from there, the police came and arrested me for being on the premises. I uh, I went to court and was uh, charged with unlawfully ent ent entry. And uh, the people who were following me, they thought I had a gun or something, so they told the police all that stuff and didn't go over wood. didn't go over well. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and I was given a six-month probation and had to report to a probation officer. Shortly after that happened, uh, my two brothers and another friend were leaving for B.C. to find work, so I went too. We had a car. It was uh, our friend's car. He, he, uh, he was a couple of years older than us. Probably, I think he was around 19 or 20 maybe. And uh, we made it as far as Sudbury, Ontario and ran out of money. Uh, our friend who owned the car had uh, financed it at the time, and uh, I, I think his mother signed for the loan, not really sure. Uh, anyway, uh, so, uh, so anyway, in Sudbury, uh, he tried to go and get a loan against the car. Well, in about an hour or two, up comes the tow truck with Repo Man <laughs> to get the car. <laughs> so there we were, 
you know, no, no, you know, anyway, there was no payments made on the car for three or four months, I guess it was, or something like that. So they, they repoed the car. So we were in Sudbury with just the clothes on our back and an extra pair of shoes and a small suitcase. So we went to the local unemployment office looking for some work. They were hiring at the nickel mine. Well, myself and one of my brothers were kind of light. So to be hired, we had to put some rocks in our pockets, if you can believe that, make, <laughs> make be a little bit heavier. And uh, that because, because of that, we decided that we decided not to, we decided not to go there. So, uh, so anyway, we all got a job working in a sawmill in Dalton, Ontario. Don't know if you know where that's at. It's not far from Sudbury, but the only way in is, and out is by rail. We worked there for a couple of weeks, uh, just long enough to get us some, get some more money so we could, uh, continue our trip to Vancouver. Land of milk and honey. That's what, that's what we thought in those days. <laughs> uh, my uh, half-brother and I uh, were, were around the same age uh, as me. We went, we went together and started hitchhiking to BC. My older brother and our friend Eldon went together. It made it easier to get rides when there was only two of us together. In about four days, we made it to BC with $7.50 each, living on toast and tea and the odd Turkish delight chocolate bar. <laughs> uh, so the plan was uh, that we would all meet. <laughs> that, we, that was our plan. We were going to the milk and honey. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's like Joshua and Caleb getting for the land of milk and honey. <laughs> yeah. So my, uh, yeah. So my brother and I, we uh, ended up in, in uh, Vancouver anyway in about four days. So we went to the Salvation Army and got a room. Then we applied for welfare, and that's what you do in Vancouver. If you've got no place to stay, you've got to go there and apply for welfare. And uh, so we, you know, we, we, uh, and I didn't, we didn't realize that uh, uh, my brother, my older brother was a year older and a friend of ours, they stopped in Sudbury and they got a job there with the city filling sandbags. It's like it happens every year when the floods come. And there, sorry. <clears throat> when the floods come, so they stayed there with the filling the sandbags. I need to do this, Lord. Lord, help me, Lord. <laughs> While in Vancouver, I met a lady who worked in a restaurant in Halifax. And I used to sell newspapers. I did a lot of things in my day. I really, you know, like for a young kid, like really, I was everywhere. She asked, you know, where we were staying. Well, when I told her we were staying at the Salvation Army, she offered us a place to stay. Well, even then, you know, God was help, was was with me then. And uh, so anyway, we. Uh, Anyway, her yeah, her husband her husband was in the navy, so he was he was stationed out there, and uh, so we stayed with them till uh, our brother and our friend showed up. We all met and went to Edmonton, Alberta, where we all got jobs working with the Great Slave Lake Railroad, sec in the section gangs. We, me and my fr and uh, our friend Eldon, went together up to high level Alberta, and my two brothers went on 
a rail gang and worked in a section in the middle of nowhere. It was uh, hard work, and I only stayed there for a couple of months. The foreman was French, and most of the other people that worked there were Italian and Portuguese, so the communi communications were a little rough at the time. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we managed, and and then uh, we left when we left the railroad. Uh, Alden and myself, when we left our, the job at the railroad, uh, and we got a job in the oil fields, another land of milk and honey. Anyway, uh, for about a week, that was all that I could take. I was living in the swamp, muskeg, giant mosquitoes, beers, no water. <laughs> anyway, so we get anyway, so we. Uh, only uh, the only way in was by plane or helicopter, so we were at five bucks an hour, which was pretty good money in those days back in 1964. Uh, we made enough money to pay for the cargo helicopter ride back out to high level Alberta. <laughs> Praise the Lord, we got out of there. <laughs> I got together with my uh, other two brothers who were still working at the time. And we had to stop, and we, we left there, and we hit it back to uh, Edmonton. So just my two brothers, Eldon, he stayed, you know, he stayed there in high in high level. And as far as I know, he could be still up there because I haven't heard from him since. We kind of lost lost touch. And uh, and then we so we went to uh, so on our way back into uh, to hidden back towards Edmonton, Alberta. We ended up in Peace River because we had to go up there and pick up some money that the railroad owed us, so we got our checks and whatever. And so we checked out the uh, local unemployment office there, and my older brother uh, found a job. They were hiring. They needed one person in, working in Slave Lake, Alberta, in the Department of Lands and Forest on the, on the lookout towers. <clears throat> so anyway, we, we all packed up, and we went to Slave Lake. And there was only one job available at the time, so I decided to come back home and uh, my brother Phillips stayed and eventually got a job with the forestry. So when I returned back home, I was arrested. Why? Eh, for breaking probation. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and uh, was put in Rockhead Prison, if anybody knows where that was, that's like a thousand years ago, out in the north end of Halifax. It was like, uh, it wasn't good. Anyway, a lot of crazy things happened there. Not going to go into those things, but anyway, uh, when all of that was finally over, I went back to Alberta and started working for uh, the Lands and Forest as a lookout man on the towers. Uh, I met a great family out there, and we stayed friends until this day. Uh, and then uh, my two brothers were killed out there in 1968, so uh, in a car accident. So I came back home from Alberta, and I met Marie. In 68. Yeah. And we were, yeah, yeah. and we got married in 69. Yeah. It was. <laughs> yeah, 51 years ago. Yeah. Anyway, in 69, okay, and, and I, was, I was doing a lot of drinking back then, trying to get myself together, probably uh, thinking about everything else and trying to drown my own sorrows and forgetting about Mamie Marie, and uh, uh, after uh, doing plumbing, <clears throat> I started driving cement truck. Uh, I did a lot of drinking, partying with the guys, uh, you know, just 
trying to find myself, I guess. And uh, that's what I did. We worked all week, and we drank all weekend, sometimes in between. The job was seasonal, so I uh, started to look for another for other employment. I got a job with Metro Transit, called Halifax Transit these days. It was called Halifax Transit then. It's called Metro now. Anyway, uh, so you know, uh, I I was still drinking and drowning my sorrows on on my days off. Uh, a lot of the guys I worked with driving cement truck would come around and we'd kind of party and, uh, you know, didn't, I didn't like driving the bus anyway. So I put my name in for, with D and D department of national defense, hoping maybe, you know, something might come up. Well, anyway, I got a job driving over there. And, uh, when I got the job, I got a job at the Bedford magazine with guess who Bob power, Bill Hitchcock and Wally, Wally Willis. I think it's Wally Willis. He's a pastor, I think. And yeah, yeah, Wally. Anyway, now, you know, here I am all mixed up and I get in with these guys, right? <laughs> the Lord had a plan. I want you to know. <laughs> anyway, so uh, anyway, the people, uh, you know, like I had to drive all the trades people around and uh, to the jobs. Well, every Friday at noontime, they would go to the canteen, and they had a small room there where they used to have a fellowship. So, uh, anyway, they yeah they had their fellowships there, and, and uh, I had to take them there and wait. The Lord had a plan for me. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't accept the Lord at the time, but you know the word was, the word was planted. Uh, I only worked there for uh, about three months and on a temporary assignment. That was uh, where Bob Power started to visit us in Spryfield. <laughs> and he would invite us to, you know, he would invite us out to church and, you know, take us for groceries, do, like, he was just there all the time. Every time you turned around, he was there. You ever see that movie, Mr. D's? It was like that, right? <laughs> anyway, so... uh that was in Spryfield, and then I said, and then, uh, so anyway, he kept asking us to go to church, but I was not interested. I wanted to change my ways, but my mind <laughs> was not right. Then Marie started going to church with Bob uh, and Gail, and, uh, and I don't know who else anyway. Oh, Amy, uh, Amy and DJ. Anyway, uh, then Marie got saved. Uh, they started praying for me. Yeah. Marie, Bob, Gail, everyone else I could get a hold of. Maybe Jim and Linda too, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, the word had been planted. That, uh, that three months working at the, at the magazine. Uh, thank you, Jesus. I got laid off from D&D &D and I... And I did apply for a couple of jobs while I was there. And I was still doing my own thing, drinking. Uh, and, uh, of course, everybody was praying. And uh, still partying with the guys. And one night, you know, and uh, on, the job, on the jobs, you know, and God's time, and, you know, is everything. So anyway, one night, 
they, somebody invited me to, to uh, a baptism at the Rock Church. <laughs> baptism at the Rock Church. It was probably Bob or Gail or I don't know who it was. Probably Jim and Linda. Anyway, we were all, they were all around me. Everybody was there. <laughs> Couldn't get away from these like crazy Christians, right? So I got up and I went. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think I might have missed something here. Sorry. Uh, yeah, and the baptism. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I got up, and when they anyway they had an altar call. That's what that's what it was. They had an altar call after the baptism, and of course, I don't know what it was. I know what it was, <laughs> but I didn't know what it was at the time. But anyway, uh, so anyway, I got up, and I went down the front, praise the Lord, and you know, never been the same since. That was forty-one years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I say, like, the old man died that night, and I became a new man in Christ. I started going to Christian View Church. The pastor, Ken McClellan, uh, was preaching faith. And uh, that is what I had and couldn't get enough. I was, I was, uh, you know, I was unemployed at the time and on, on, on EI. So, uh, after being laid off from D&D, things were tight. So I went to the welfare office, and I asked for some financial assistance until we get ourselves through this, and uh, I get back to work. Well, they said uh, I was making too much in unemployment, and they couldn't help me. So after I left the office, I called home. Maria was praying and asking the Lord uh, for a job for me. <laughs> anyway, uh, the when she she started praying for a job for me anyway, and then the phone rang. Praise the Lord. Uh, and it was D and D, yeah, with a a job offer for me. And uh, it was uh, a three month a three month job. Uh, it was for a three month position on a, off of a stale dated list. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so after. She told me this. That the, anyway, D&D &D called. It was a lot of things that went on at the time. And I, anyway, and so I went back to the welfare office, actually, that, after she told me the news. It was, you know, and uh, I thanked the lady and told her the how God had just given me a job. D&D, uh, &D, <clears throat> I think it really spoke to her. I'll say, God always comes through. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <clears throat> anyway, for the three, there was a three-month job <clears throat> that lasted for twenty years. There was just uh, there's just so many things that God did that I I just can never I can never blame God for anything anything bad anyway, <laughs> you know, and uh, <clears throat> and that's when I have to check myself and say God. You know, if anything bad comes along, that's when I have to check myself and say, God, you know, what am I, what did I do to mess up? You know, ask, ask for forgiveness from God. Don't blame him. Yeah. Anyway, the scriptures tell us that uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but, you know, principalities and wickedness in high places. So, you know, just get your mind right with God. You know, thank him every day. 
Excuse me. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, uh, yeah, thank him every day for, you know, where he, where he took you from. You know, to where you were going, you know, to spend eternity with him. As, you know, as, as, far, as, you're, as far as you've come, there's always more that you can learn every day. Now, start your day with thank you, Lord. Now, what do you want? What do you have planned for us today? You know, put yourself in there too, because, you know, face without works. Get your works in there too with God. He's there with you. Work together with God. You know, so I say, uh, I, uh, you know, every day I pray, God, I say, thank you, Lord, for my health, my prosperity. Uh, protection for my family and all, you know, all, all in, you know, everybody I come into contact with today, you know, give me, you know, praise, you know, just, just give them thanks. I mean, like, it's, it's awesome. He's awesome. Anyway, I, uh, I got a, something here that, uh, I was looking for a scripture to, uh, <clears throat> I don't know what it was for. I remember now, but anyway, I was looking on the computer, and uh, my uh, my uh, printer ran out of ink, so I wanted to print off the scripture, but it was something in Corinthians anyway. So I'm looking at the computer, and uh, the scripture pops up. It's it was it was in out of the Message Bible, and it was um, Psalm one Psalm. Uh, I think 193 and uh, chapter 93. Anyway, it, I, I read it. And of course, same thing happened, what just happened now after I read it. So I know it was for me, but I think maybe it's for others. And so anyway, I, I couldn't print it off. So I had to write it out. So I did write it all out and it took me like a half an hour. And I said, oh, Lord. This is like too much. It's my stuff is long enough to start with. Anyway, so I said to Marie, do you have a message Bible? She said, I had one. Uh, where is it at? She said, I think it's out on the coffee table, but I'm not sure. So I think I already gave it to David, our son. And I said, all right, well, so I went out. I looked I looked for the, I looked for it. Here it is. There's, I brought it with me. Okay, well, it's, it's brand new. Never hardly ever been opened. I don't think I never read it, and I don't. I think Marie may have opened it. I don't know who opened it or who had never opened it, but I pick up the Message Bible. I have there's a, there's a ribbon in here. I open up the ribbon. I open up the ribbon. Guess where it was? I'm telling you, like it was Psalm 119, and it was at the, the verse I needed. I'm sorry, I might have said what, Psalm 193, but it was 119. And, and it was right there. And so I'm going to read it to you. And uh, I know it's, uh, you know, it'll bless you because it, it did for me. I get through it. How many do you do them? One, 93. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, count yourself lucky. Anyway, here it goes. This is how it goes. Psalm 193, it says, uh, 
what you say, God, what you say goes, God, and stays as permanent as the heavens. <clears throat> Your truth never goes out of fashion. It's as up to date as the earth when the sun comes up. Your word and truth are dependable as ever. That's what you ordered. You set the earth's going. If your revelation hadn't delighted me, I would have given up when times got when when hard times came. But I'll never give I'll never forget the advice that you gave me. Is uh, you saved my life with those wise words, <clears throat> save me, all, save me, I'm all yours. I look high and low for your words of wisdom. The wicked lie in ambush to destroy me. But I'm only concerned with your plans for me. I see I see the limits of everything human, but the horizons can't contain your commands. Powerful, powerful message. Anyway. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Uh, anyway, and and a little note here is uh, you can never be you can never be bad enough not to get saved. You can never be bad enough. Okay? And also you can never be good enough to save yourself ever. You know, because you know, only Jesus is the way to salvation, you know? And and in Romans 10 uh 9, 10 and 11 I had to write this one out. I didn't have Anyway, it says uh <clears throat> and what is God's message? It is the right. It's the, it's the revelation of faith for salvation, which is the message that we preach. For if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, <clears throat> you will experience salvation. The heart that believes in him receives the gift of righteousness of God. <clears throat> and then the mouth gives thanks to salvation. For the scriptures encourages us with these words, everyone who believes in him will never be disappointed. Awesome stuff. Thank you. <laughs> We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.